Hello and welcome to the Liverpool Way podcast. Another less than convincing performance, but yet another three points. That's three times in a week we've done that, and at the time of recording this pod, we're top of the league. I'm Dave Usher, editor at liverpoolway.co.uk, and I'm joined for this one by Paul Natton and John Gallagher. All right then, Paul, we'll start with you. Sum that one up for us. Fucking hell, it was hard work, mate, wasn't it? Mm. It was... um, I mean, we're, we're not... We're not playing good football at all. We're not. Pl- we're having moments in games, but things are just so strange at the moment. I mean, we've had various conversations in the group chat about this over the last couple of weeks. I think, haven't we? And I, I think the today was almost like a microcosm of what we've been seeing for a while. Um, obviously, we got the results um, absolutely made up, um, and actually, I, I was quite surprised um, the. The record there is is actually really good under Klopp. Yeah, um, you know I've I've got this thing in my head that the John Gallagher derby is like a really really tight uh, really tight game. But, Everyone uh, always says oh Palace away oh no and you've I know, got that record but, there and it's mad. but it's not it's not I mean I think we think back to the um, it's Cristian Ball Cristian Ball yeah all I think haunted that's what it is. by that absolutely but I think I think what today. I mean, I think the other thing that it's easy to forget is we've actually on the quiet got a bit of an injury thing going on. There's mm. quite a lot of injuries been happening, and we've been playing a lot of games. But even so, I think the thing that's really—I mentioned it the last time I was on. I wasn't. When was I? I wasn't on in the week, was I? It was the full, full yeah. And I think I sort of touched on it then. I, I I know what we're trying to do tactically, and I can see our results. But I don't. What I can't see is how the tactics relate to the results. Yeah. And I'm finding it like really, really. It's odd. It's strange. It's 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 difficult to watch. I don't think we are shit as such. But equally, we're not really blowing teams away. Um, I think there's a couple of individuals who are in some great form and have been all season. Shout out Virgil. Shout out Mo. Shout out Harvey on the quiet. Shout out Joe Gomez on the quiet. Shout out Allison, but and Trent as well. Although he wasn't wasn't that great today, but apart from that, I feel I almost feel like there's big question marks over virtually every player we've signed since and including Canate. Sorry, not big question marks. Question marks. So I don't look, I don't look at any of those players and think you're shit. You're not for us. You're not good enough. I think every one of them is good enough. Every one of them is good enough. I like every single one of them. I've seen really good things from all of them. But I feel like, and this kind of goes back to why I said second this season, and I'd not really looked beyond second, even though we're talking here now with us top of the league. That I feel like there's so much more to come from so many of those players. I don't feel like any of them really have been on fire or have been hitting anywhere near what I would expect them to get to um, based on what we know about what Klopp does with developing players. And I think today really just reminded me of that. I just saw, you know, mediocrity, quiet, mediocre games from too many players. I mean, the circumstances helped us, obviously, with the sending off. And then we had a couple of, uh, a couple of really nice goals when we took advantage of them being down to 10 men. And I, in no sense would I use the word worried. I'm not worried um, because we're top of the league. Yeah. You know, I mean, and if Arsenal drop points tonight of any sort, we're still going to be top of the league. Even yeah. if they draw, we're going to stay top on goal difference. 
So, but I just, I'm confused, I think is the big thing to say. I think I'm just a bit confused about, about how we are, where we are. I thought our progress this season was going to be slow but steady trajectory upwards, where we'd peak at about second. I thought we'd kind of like get ourselves up there maybe March, April, and stay round about there towards the end of the season after Klopp had had time to sort of embed these players and get them get them you know into a into a groove into a Klopp groove. But in actual fact, we've got up there much quicker than I thought we would. But then what we're seeing in terms of performances, by and large, seems counterintuitive to um, to uh, you know the, to the results. So it's 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 strange, mate. It's really strange. I mean, I th- you know delighted with the results. Thought there was a couple of couple of players who were great today. There's others where I'm just thinking, what's going on there? But overall, great. And then obviously, you know, I'm sure we'll know we'll talk about this much, much more as as we go on. But obviously, again, like I'm looking forward to what's coming next. Even though we're not playing that well, we're getting the results. Got the Manx next week. They got battered at home today. And so it, actually, when I try and summarise where we're at, we, we, we feel like we're in a really good place. But the performances seem to tell a different story. Yeah, so if you look at the last week, the last three, we've had three games in a week. We've not played well in any of them. I didn't think Fulham was as bad as other people thought, but it, it wasn't great. So there's those three games where we've not been anywhere near our best. I think we've been absolutely dreadful in the last two, yeah. and we've taken maximum points. So there's two ways of looking at it. It's like, one, any team that ever achieves anything, you don't achieve it by winning 5-0 every week and playing your best football. You'd achieve it by just getting the points on the days when you don't play well. So if you look at it from that perspective, perfect week, really. The other side of it is, if you keep playing like this, is it going to catch up with you and are you going to drop stupid points? So where are you at, John? Which one of those two are you looking at? I'm leaning more towards a positive side of things, um, even though today was... Largely dreadful, to be fair, until the red card. Um, but overall, I'm looking at it from the you know, reasons Paul touched on. You know, it's a relatively new team, new players, um, a lot of bedding in to do, a lot of experience went out in the summer. Um, so to be where where we are, having had the fixtures we've had, I'm more than happy um, overall at the bigger picture. Um, you know, we've been away to Newcastle. Uh, what other games have we had? We've Chelsea had away. Chelsea Spurs away. Spurs away, yeah. And even that, you know, we Brighton were shafted away. there. So we could have been sitting here actually unbeaten, you know, if uh, mm-hmm. if things had gone as they should have gone. In that my day. mind, we are unbeaten because that Spurs <laughs> game, like, no. Yeah, so you could have been sat here at the back end of last season into account as well, about 26 games unbeaten or whatever it is. Um, and then, you know, so from that perspective, I'm more of the posi- positive aspect. I'm, you know, if you look at Arsenal, I think we're mirroring Arsenal in a lot of ways at the moment. Apparently, they've been yeah. sort of, uh, you know, grinding out a lot of results, whereas last season they flew out the traps and, they, they, you know, I think they have 50 points by the halfway mark and he ended up in like, mid-80 points by the end. So, you know, they were batting teams week in, week out, but, you know, they seem to be a bit more... Um, you know, pragmatic at the moment out there getting results a bit like us in a lot of ways so I'm thinking as the season goes on uh, as we get to January February I'm pretty confident that we can motor on um, when players become more in tuned into a lot of you know the way you know we've, we we want to play and stuff so and I think the squad is generally stronger I mean you've seen that today didn't you um 
you know, Harvey the coming bench. on. I think mm. the, the bench looks good, you know, even without Jota, you know, on the bench in that. So, you know, Curtis there as well. Um, Harvey, you know, he's been brilliant whenever he's come off the bench this mm-hmm. season. You know, he's had such a positive, like, influence when he's, you know, come off the bench in a lot of games this season. So, and, you know, Gomez was, like, outstanding when he come on. So, uh, and even Gakpo, to be fair, Gakpo's like, um, you know, you know box of chocolates, as Forrest Gump said, you never know quite what you're going to get sometimes. But, uh, yeah, I'm... Very happy. I mean, we had Palace away at half twelve. You know, I always make that joke on the WhatsApp group. Palace, whatever it's night game, half twelve kickoff, tough game. You know, but generally we always win there. And again, it's just about the results, isn't it? Just keeping the pace. You know, with the with the other teams at the top. So I'm absolutely more than happy where we are at this moment in time and how we're going about it. Yeah, performances haven't been spectacular, easy on the eye. But what I like about this team, it has got that sort of. 1920, like even 1819, if you want to class that season as well, the mentality. Um, yeah. you, you know, it's there in spades, you can see yeah. that, um, especially yeah. after Go last season, how, how flaky we were for a lot of last season. Um, you, you know, so we've got that steeliness and re, you know, resoluteness about us again. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm more towards the positive side of things where we are at the moment. You can't quibble at being top of the league. Um, you know, as you say, Dave, unbeaten. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am leaning towards the positive side as well. We've we've got like points wise. You look at that and think we'd have all taken that start the season. We're doing really well. Um, the home form's been sensational. Last week's probably the the worst we've played at home. But like I say, I didn't think we were that bad last week. It's the the two games we've had away this week. You're going to have games where you don't play away from home and the main, you don't play well away from home. The main thing is you come away with the points. We've done that. So I'm okay with that. The only thing that like gives me a little bit of concern is just how bad we were. Like I think Arsenal have had games where they've scraped the win, they've scored late goals and all that, but I've not seen them play as badly as what we've played in, in the last two games. So I think like we've maybe got away with it a little bit. But if this is our bad spell and we're taking maximum points, I mean, because we will come through. We're not going to keep playing like this. I'm not worried for a second that, you know, we're going to be in some big slump of form. I do think we'll snap out of it. And I think, you know, the heavy fixture loads probably got like uh, a big part to do with that. Plus another 12-30 kickoff as well never helps. So there's mitigating circumstances for it all. But the main thing is that we've just taken the points anyway. And... It's it's great for us that we get those points, but it's it's also like the effect it has on other teams. Because I know, like when Arsenal scored that like goal at Luton, you just slump, don't you? You're like, oh for fuck's sake, because you've just got that like feeling. Oh, they're gonna drop points here, and then they get like a, a late goal, and it is kind of demoralising. And we've just done that, like we done it last week against Fulham. One nil, Villa. Sorry to interrupt, Dave. Already one nil, Villa. John McGinn, okay. super John McGinn. Nice. Sorry. Yeah, so we done it last week against Fulham. Uh, it was like two late goals to turn it around after it looked like we were going to lose. Or like Arsenal fans and City fans, whatever, they'll have been looking at that going, okay, they might lose, but worst case scenario, they might get an equaliser and, and it's a draw. But we scored twice and we got three points, which is a kick in the balls for them. But then they go and do it themselves, don't they? Like at Luton, they get a couple of late goals, you know, they win it like in the 97th minute, whatever it was, and we're like, oh, fuck. And people start saying, does this mean it might be Arsenal's year because like they're, they're getting these wins? And well, we're doing it as well, but 
nobody seems to really be talking about us, which is fine by me. You know, it it's, it it seems to be they're just talking about like, oh, is, is it going to be City or is it going to be Arsenal? I'm like, well, we've got as much chance as anyone now. If you're at this point in the season and we are where we are points wise, like if you'd have said to us in August, like my prediction in August was like third or fourth, depending on how the new players bed in and stuff. But if if we'd have known then that Man City were not going to be Man City, maybe they will be in the second half of the season. You know, time will tell on that. They've still got De Bruyne to come back, which will make a, a big difference. But if you kind of take them out of the equation, which and and you bring them back to say like the level of like us and Arsenal or whatever, they're not running away with it. If we knew that back then, and someone said to you, "By what date are we on now?" So ninth of December, you'll be top. And you'll be however many points, four points clear of City or something like that. Um, if Arsenal lose today, we're one point ahead of Arsenal. So if anyone had said that to us and then said, "Do you think you can win the league in that situation?" Of course you would. You know, for, to get to this point and we're top, you you got to think. Well, yeah, you know, we can do it. Not saying we will, but we definitely can. Especially if City carry on the way they are and they don't go on one of those like mad fifteen game winning streaks or whatever. But going back to what John said there, we do tend to kick on in the second half of the season. You know, yeah, we, we, we get to like February, March, and then we do sort of go on a run. Even last year, as bad as we were doing, we still ended up, we rallied and, and we almost made it into the into the top, the top four. Uh, season before was, you know, was it the season before? No, the season before we were really good. The season before that was like horrific and then we ended up finishing third because in the last 10 games or whatever I think we I think we won 11 out of 12 or something at the back end of the season something mad yeah. like that wasn't it so we do finish strong we talk about Man City going on those winning runs and finishing strong but we do we do it as well like we have shit Januarys though don't we We yeah and this year Mo's going to be away he misses he misses Arsenal doesn't he at least Afcon, Mo misses Chelsea at home games. and Arsenal away um, is that right? Yeah, I, I don't know if it was Arsenal away in the cup though. I just seen someone said he misses the Arsenal away game. No, right? it's no, it's the cup game, David. So it's the, the cup, cup game. It's not the league. Yeah. Okay, so no. well, that, that's, that's fine because we, we may not have played him in that anyway. Don't you know? Who knows? Do, you th- do you think some of the um, like recent performances is all about like um, not like not ambling through, but like conserving energy to an extent, and just trying to do enough where we're, because, you know, we play United at home next week, I mean, we shouldn't need enough to beat them at the moment, they're terrible, but, you know, Anfield's going to be pumped up, and, you know, I think we'll be right at it, you know, aggressive all over the pitch and all that. I've definitely thought about that, and, and there's a couple of things in my mind about that. The first one is, if you think about the title season, 1920, we re- we definitely were doing that in the first half of the season. We yeah. were completely controlling games, weren't we? Like control, we we get we got a, quite a few one nils. We get the ball, we just play it around a little bit. We get the goal, and then we just keep the ball. Um, I also think the way Klopp goes on and on and on and on and on about the importance of December. You also throw it, and he's right, by the way. You also throw in the fact that he he rotates the team. He's, I mean, did you see? I shared I shared something an article with you today. I don't know if you saw it, boys. From I think it was one of Paul Joyce's pieces from the Times, and we by far and away made the most changes game on game in the league. Six point three changes per game, so we're changing more than half the team every game. That's a lot. So that's a lot. Yeah, and, and, and the next one was, was up there, Brighton. Brighton. I think, I think uh, the sex. I th- 
I think the second that was all competitions, by the way. Sorry, all competitions. Oh yeah, because we're changing the, everyone for the Europa. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the second, the second one was like five point one. There was a few around the fives. Um, but I, I, I think that um, I, I, I think there is something possibly in their players' minds, even if it's not a direct instruction to try and conserve energy. And also, the other thing that ties into that is the way we seem to be brilliant at, at like pulling things out the bag. We've gone behind. How many games have we gone behind in this season when we've come back and won? We've took 18 and we points scored from, really late. from losing positions. I mean, it's incredible, is, isn't which it? Is, it really is incredible. 18 points from losing positions. And we're also, if I'm right, I can't remember exactly how many it is, we're by far and away got the most goals in injury time in, in the league. We, we score in injury time virtually... Constantly, all the time, we're scoring, we're getting goals and injury time. So I do wonder if there's something in what you were saying there, John. I wonder if there's something to maybe not like an instruction, but you know, just a, just that the players are sort of Klopp's talking about it. The players are just thinking we're not going to give everything because we know, having been through title runs, many we've been in lots of title races over the last few years. We know what it takes in the second half of the season. I also think that ties in a little bit today to something that I saw. I, I want to particularly single out my boy Trent because there's something about Trent at the moment when he went into midfield where he's almost this kind of like languid, nonchalant style. It's almost like he's making a statement about he doesn't need to try that hard. I don't think he's that arrogant. I don't think he's, I don't think he's got... I mean, he's very self-confident, but I don't think he's got the arrogance to kind of like almost wear it as a badge, look how look how I can stroll through this game. But I do think there was a lack of intensity there in his play when he came inside, which I think mirrored the rest of the team, to be honest. And it's definitely in the mix, John, I, I, from what you're, uh, you know, that point you're making. I'm not clear to what extent it's, it's instructions, whether it's just kind of like a, an, a, an experience of the last seven seasons where the senior players know that we need to conserve it a little bit, whether it's a, just a factor of playing so much football and we kind of like take for granted that, yeah, you make 6.3 changes in all competitions, game to game, and the players will be fresh. Well, they're not fresh, are they? They only had like two hours on the training pitch between matches. So, you know, yeah, they're not absolutely on the knees, but they must be feeling it in the legs at the moment. So, so I think today, all those things are in the mix. I think today was more... Possibly, I doubt the kickoff time always like affects it, doesn't it? I mean, who knows if we'd have played like the way we did today, if it's an R five game, for instance, or even a three o'clock game. Just those half twelve games are just notorious, aren't they? I mean, Julian mm -hmm. always makes yeah. the point in the in the uh, especially away. You know, it's always, I, I can't remember last half twelve game we had at Anfield, by the way. It was the derby. Oh yeah, all the yeah, others okay. we've had this year have been. They, they always seem to be away, even in recent <coughs> years. It just feels like we're away at half twelve a lot yeah. all the time. But yeah, I mean, you know, I think that sort of come into play today because you know the other night Sheffield United, it was. It was comfortable, you know, we didn't play at all well, but it was just about getting the points, wasn't it? Um, again, that was a, like a just doing enough type of game, wasn't it? You, you know, don't do anything silly, uh, just get the points and, you know, move on. But I think today, you know, definitely the kick-off time, um, you know, comes into play, I think, and, and how we, like, the, the approach to it and stuff. Um, 
and you know Palace, you know, in the predicament there, and um, you know, did make it difficult for us, uh, yeah. you know, for large portions of the game. So, um, you know, but just accentuating the positives, isn't it? And you know, we've got to take them positives for where we are at the moment. I I don't think it's conserving energy. Uh, like, there's two reasons for that. Firstly, I don't really think as as a player you can do that. I think you're just going out and you're just playing the game. You're not thinking. You know, I'm I'm going to conserve energy. I don't think so. I don't think you can do that. But also, if you want to conserve energy, I'm fine with that. Go out and get yourself two, three nil up early against these proper shit teams. I'm not talking about Palace today, uh, but but the other night, Sheffield United looting away those games. It's like go out, put them away early, and then just put your feet up and pass the ball around for an hour. That's what City generally do in those games. They get themselves three nil up, and then if City gets a three nil, it usually finishes three nil. Because they just keep the ball and don't really do a great deal after that. They they know how to conserve energy. I don't think we're we're like that type of team. I don't think we we are consciously conserving energy. I think mm. the, the kickoff time today plays a part. Um, I also just think we're not particularly good away from home at the moment. I think that's something which we've got to improve on. And as the season goes on, I'm sure we will. But I don't think we've played particularly well away from home. But we have got that in us where we find a way. You know, and we've done it like all season, really. Even the yeah. Tottenham game, we were down to nine yeah. men in that game, and we looked just as likely to score as they did when we were down. It to feels nine like men. a DNA thing, don't you think? Yeah. Now, after all these yeah. years, it's it's, it's, a re- it's a reverse spares, is what it is. Yeah, it's like you know, I agree. They've got spares DNA, and we've got like Liverpool DNA. It's completely different. It's like we'll find a way, and I think that's what we've been doing. And you know, this week's just like the the perfect example of it, really. But um. I just want to go back to like the the team selection. Um, I called it the other night about Quanser. I thought Quanser would play in in this game. It made sense. I don't know why he was taken off. I think that must have been pre-planned. It was like, well, Canate, you can't start, but you know we'll give you half an hour or whatever, and Quanser will just like fill in for an hour until you can come on. But the, what did you think? Like the the changes we we made. Did you expect those changes? Was there anything that surprised you? Was there anything you would have done differently? Paul, go to you first. Uh, I expected changes. I thought the I thought there arguably should have been more changes. I was I personally would have started um, Curtis and Harvey. Yeah, I think I, I've I've been concerned about Dom, and to a lesser extent, but now growing a little bit, Graven Birch over the last sort of four or five games. I think both are in a run where. There's not a lot coming off for them. Don't think either has been out and out shit. But equally, I don't think either of them has um, has been, you know, pulling up trees. But I, but again, I'm I'm okay with that. You know what I mean? That's not a criticism. That's kind of where I expect them to be. Yeah. Their talent is absolutely obvious. You know, form I mean? ebbs and flows, doesn't it? Absolutely, so, of course yeah. it does. And they and we know how how so many players um, take really take the time to um, to adjust to what Klopp wants. It's very complex, tactically speaking. Um, so I've got, yeah, I've, there's no problem with that. I'm not criticising them at all, but I really thought we'd see, I think Harvey really deserves deserves a start. Yeah. I think Curtis has not let us down at all um, and was has been in some good form this season. So I think, I mean, he had a bit of a wobble a couple of weeks ago, but I... I I thought it was just a game for him for some freshness. Um, Quanza, fine. I, I, I mean, I've said time and again about him. I, I the kind of I'm, I'm kind of withholding judgments until he has some proper tests. Um, but then I keep thinking, actually, he keeps playing these games, and 
yeah, he hasn't come up against any of the real big boys, but he never comes under pressure. But is that as much about the way he plays as it is about, you know, who he's playing? So I don't, I've got both, no problem with Quanta. Yeah, I think it is, yeah. So I've got no problem with Quanta there at all. So, but, I mean, Endo, I suppose he's got to play. I thought he was mediocre at best today. Thought it was disappointed. This is the first time today I've been really disappointed in um, Endo, I thought. But I didn't have a problem with him starting. I thought it made sense with Macker out. But it was more for me, uh, Gravenberg and um, uh, Dom, so I was like. So, but I expect changes, Dave. I just, I thought there'd be maybe more, as I said. Mm. How about you? Or, or John? John. Yeah, um, I think Gravenberg's last couple of games, um, I, I, he wasn't, the second half against Fulham, he just wasn't good at all, was he? And uh, I think, did I see a stat somewhere where at Bayern Munich last season, did he only start like, was it like two games, I think two it was. games or some, yeah, something? Yeah, so obviously I think Klopp's just trying to ease him in gradually. He made a few appearances off the bench initially, but obviously he's trying to get him like in the team now and there but you can just see the last like couple of games or so with Gravenberg it's just like you know it's a time to just take him out the final line again a, a little bit um, you, you know it's sort of new league you know without uh, hardly playing last year at Bayern Munich etc um, so yeah I, th- I thought the changes today I mean last week against Fulham I question the changes even though they worked if you know I said to you at the game didn't I Dave it just seemed like overcomplicating a Gomez coming into the midfield area you know you know what Trent normally does and stuff but um you know but Enzo coming on he scored that you know yeah. great goal it, it was just like the subs that's what I mean little things like that are going our way he's because, got the magic touch with the yeah. substitutions this year Even yeah absolutely which look a bit weird you think what's mm. he doing they're definitely yeah. paying off again today paid off didn't he not just yeah. because of the goal but like the other players who came on Gomez Giving us that width, that right back, really good. Um, Gakpo made a contribution. But yeah. I want to go back to um, first half because I don't really remember hardly anything significant from that. There's only two things that stand out Allison's save. And Fucking hell, what a save that was. And the penalty that was given and then overturned. But yeah, we'll start with, with the Allison save. Um, there was a discussion in the, the chat, chat wasn't it? Was it you said, yeah. John, about uh, the, the Newcastle? Was it as good as his Newcastle one? Like, Dan's just a, Dan's the goalkeeper, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he just automatically said not for him, um, which is, you know, but I thought it was on a par with that Newcastle one, the way he, uh, he got back as well. It's just, like, you know, it's miraculous, but it's just what you'd expect. He just makes things look as easy as possible, kind of things. Phenomenal, phenomenal yeah. goalkeeper. The Have best you ever, I've seen, ever seen anybody with more... Composure. to like fear. He's so composed. I don't think I've ever seen anyone more composed in, in, mm. ever in football. And I think, you know, when we talk about some of the issues around his kicking, it's actually not about his kicking for me. He can kick the ball brilliantly, I think. It's about how long he, he's so composed that yeah. he'll wait sometimes too long. Mm-hmm. And he gets himself into a situation because he's not, he's just, it seems almost impervious to pressure. And that gets him sort of occasionally into a situation where he just waits a little bit too long. He doesn't. He doesn't. He's not. He's not on his toes enough. But I, I just think he's absolutely incredible. Incredible goalkeeper. He's I, he's easily the best I've seen for us now. Um, and I do remember Clements. Um, he's absolutely. He's absolutely fantastic. And that save today for me, 
got another one later on as well, I think, didn't he? Yeah, right um, at the end, yeah. Yeah. I think the, the I, one at the end was a relatively straightforward save, I think. That, that first one was, because it was so, it was hit so hard, it was close to him, the way yeah. he got, uh, just, just sensational, absolutely sensational. I think, like, Alisson's definitely the best keeper I've seen, not just for us. I just think he's the best keeper I've seen ever. Would you put him above Southall now? I loved Southall, but I think it's a totally different game back back in the 80s That's compared true. to now. And true, yeah. Goalkeepers yeah, have yeah. to do completely different things. I, I Southall was, was fucking amazing. I loved him, even though he played for Everton. Loved him. Still love him now. I think he's a top fella. Yeah. Um, and it, but it was the other thing is, I only really seen Southall in derby games. I wasn't watching them every week because there was nowhere near as much coverage then. So I'm kind of basing it on how good he was in derbies. And like, I mean, Rushy scored like, I don't know, 40 odd derby goals or something. He put loads past them. Rushy should have had like double that if Everton had just had like a normal goalkeeper and not yeah. Southall because he was just amazing. But as I say, it's a totally different game back then. Plus the fact that you, you didn't see these goalkeepers every week. So. More, more difficult to judge but in, in terms of like in the TV era where you can watch match of the day and you've got every game on and there's like extensive highlights of everything Alisson's by far the best goalkeeper I've seen you know you can talk about like Schmeichel like, he's better than Schmeichel yeah, for me now yeah. Seaman who I never thought was any good anyway I thought Seaman's like most overrated goalkeeper not named mm. Peter Shilton so um I'm not saying Seaman was a bad goalkeeper, he obviously would not, but I don't think he was like as special as he's made out to be. Benefits from that back forward and yeah, that offside yeah. shot. I, I just think Allison's unreal. And what's funny about that today is like Allison makes like the two saves and Klopp gets asked afterwards, and this sums Klopp up to an absolute T as man management and, and like the way he thinks about things. he did praise Allison. He said, like, you know, I absolutely love him. I'm I'm like so you know, I'm so lucky to work with him as a man as well as a goalkeeper. All that stuff. He's like, she praised Allison, but he also said, "But I think Queeve would have saved both of them as well. I think Queeve would have been there to save both of them." <laughs> I like it. And I'm like, the fact that's even in his head because he knows there'll have been people saying last week after the Fulham game, "Oh, you know, look at that, Keller's conceded three goals and all that." And I didn't blame Keller for any of them goals last week. Um, but I did say I think Allison saves like at least two, maybe three of them. But that was not a knock against Kelleher. That's just saying, you know, Allison's like he's just so fucking good. And if he's not playing, whoever comes in, I don't care who you are, whoever comes in for Allison, there is going to be a big drop off because he's the best goalkeeper in the world. You're not going to have the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, sixth best, whatever, goalkeeper in the world on your bench. Because goalkeepers of that level are not going to be on the bench. They're going to be starting for the top team. So whoever's coming in as Liverpool's backup goalkeeper, there's going to be a clear drop-off between like him and Alisson. So Kelleher last week, I didn't think any of the goals were his fault. I do think Alisson maybe saved them. I don't think Kelleher saves the first one today. I do think he probably saves the second one because his position is going to be similar to where Alisson was. And if you're in that position, the save itself is not overly difficult. But he's, he's just, I mean, that game today, he's only had to do two things in the game. But those two things, you look at the, the significance that that has on the result. Like, he's unbelievable. He's, and, That's and, what they say, goalies are worth 10 points a season, to, like top goalkeepers. Yeah, he's worth at least that. He's probably worth yeah. more, to be honest. I mean, last season, where would we have finished last season? But for Alisson. Oh, it doesn't bear mm. thinking about. Fucking hell.
You can subscribe to the Liverpool Way podcast on all the major platforms, whether it's Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon or Podbean. Just search for the Liverpool Way, leave us a review and hit subscribe to automatically receive all new episodes. You can also head to liverpoolway.co.uk and grab a TLW season ticket for just £3 a month. There's tons of exclusive content, including match reports from every Liverpool game, weekly Premier League roundups, the TLW diary and access to the members-only forum. Lastly, you can follow us on social media at the Liverpool Way on Twitter and at the Liverpool Way TLW on Instagram and Facebook. And you know, the funny thing is, these people who, who judge these things are so fucking clueless. Alisson didn't even make the list of the 10 best goalkeepers, did he? What? You know, like the, the list that, the, yeah. you know, like all those like FIFA bullshit awards. Oh. Alisson didn't even make the top 10. And if you look at some of the fucking clowns in, in that list, like I think that Anana was in there. <laughs> I, I, I might be wrong, but I think he was. But the list, you're looking at them and you go. Martinez won, didn't he? Because he won the World yeah, Cup. Yeah, and you know what? Alisson's a better he's a keeper, keeper. But he won the World Cup and he had a really good World Cup and he's, yeah. a, he's a good keeper. I, I'm he not, I'm not keeper, like yeah. making a big song and but dance he's, about that. He's not that. better than Alisson. He's nowhere he? near. He's not even close to Alisson's level. But I can understand why the profile, of, you know, it's high profile because he's won the World Cup and everything else. I can understand why he would get like that that vote. So that's fine. But to not put Allison in the top ten, and Allison doesn't get in like the the Premier League eleven last year either, which all that tells you is like these pricks who are judging these things judge it completely on what the team's done. And because we had a bad season last year. It's just assumed, oh, you know, we can't put Allison in. Allison was incredible last year. Like, I think he maybe made two mistakes in the entire season, and he was making ridiculous saves every week. He was so good. The amount of one on ones we left him to deal with last season, and he dealt with them. You know, he's absolutely incredible. And for him to not get in the top 10 was laughable. But, I mean, the people who are making these judgments are just not. Look at, look at this week. <laughs> the, <laughs> this is just too funny. I heard it on the radio yesterday, and I thought, and I had to think, is this April? <laughs> Are we on the first of April again? Because this can't be right. Ten Hag got Manager of the Month, and Harry Maguire got Player of the Month, like Premier League <laughs> Manager of the Month, Premier League Player of the Month. They also got Goal of the Month for Garnacho, which I'll let them have that. I'm not not going to dispute that. That's Goal of the Month. But Ten Hag got it, and I'm like, how has he got that? And it, they've based it just purely, probably on like points picked up in that month nothing to do with how the teams played because they've just been like United have just been like on, on like the, the the skin of the pants the skin of their arse whatever you want to say they've, every result apart from the Everton game which they won 3-0 and even that game like Everton had so many chances it should have been closer but the beating teams in the bottom half by one goal that's all that's where the, the points that they've got is from that the only team they've beaten the top half apparently was Chelsea who were 10th and again, that was just by like the odd goal. Someone's actually given him manager of the month when everybody knows that the shit. And like you look at what they're doing in Europe, and that's when they're really getting exposed for like how they are. The cards are just getting away with it. But someone's actually voted for that and, and gave him manager of the month and Harry Maguire player of the month. And then that happens today, which just makes a mockery mockery of it anyway. You know, but Going back to Alison, that's what I'm saying. Like people who, who were like judging these things are just clueless. To not have Alison in the top ten goalkeepers, honestly, whoever was on that panel and voted for it should never be allowed to watch a game of football again. That's like so egregious. Not having Alison in your top ten goalkeepers. 
But yeah, we got a little bit sidetracked there. But yeah, so the save was amazing. I don't think it was it was quite on on level with the Newcastle one, but you, you know, it's you can you can make the argument that it was. But the other thing in the first half was, um, and this is just farcical, like the when they got the penalty, yellow card for Virgil, um, and then we had like at least three minutes where first of all. There's so many layers to this. First of all, are the referees not given a free kick initially? Because he's in a good position, he's seen it. That's, like, bizarre. Secondly, the VAR's looking at it. And how many replays, you know? Because we're seeing so what he's weird. watching. There was so many. So weird. But the weird part about it was there was probably three or four angles that they showed. And he's looked at it, like, two or three from that angle, two or three from that angle. And you can see it's a foul on all of them. But... There's one particular angle which just had it beyond all doubt whatsoever. You only have to see that once and you're like, yeah, look, he's just clipped his, his right foot. He's took his right foot from under him, fouled him. And he watched that about 10 or 11 times, that one one particular one. And I'm like, why do you need to see this again? You see it once and you, and you immediately know, okay, that's a foul. So he then tells the referee on the pitch, okay, go and look at the screen. And the ref on the screen is looking at it over and over. And you could, I, I don't know whether we'll ever hear the the audio of this. Hopefully on Howard Webb's little show that he does with Michael Owen. Hopefully we'll hear that. But we, I bet you we don't. And the reason we won't is because I think they said, like the, the commentators have got, I don't know if they can hear that conversation, but they can hear some of what's getting said, can't they? Because they're sort of updating you on it, like during the game. They say, yeah, he's still checking and he's told... He's told the referee that next time the ball goes out to play, stop it. So so they can hear the feed, the commentators. They can hear, like, the VAR feed. And they said, John Brooks, who was, like, the VAR, he's trying to convince, like, the the referee on the pitch, um, Madley. He's trying to, like, say to him, look, that's a foul. And Madley did not want to change his mind. He was watching it over and over, and he did not want to give that. You could tell he didn't want to overrule himself. He wanted to stick with his original decision, even though it was clearly wrong. And and then when he was asking to see it at normal speed, and I'm like, well, whether you watch it at normal speed or not, you can clearly see that that is just a foul. He's got an arm on, on one shoulder, and he hooks his foot around him, and he fouls him. He doesn't get the ball. He clearly fouls Endo. Endo, go, Endo doesn't dive. Endo gets fouled and knocked to the ground it took so long for that and like that worried me i'm like how many times have you got to see that but you only need to see it once to go yeah it's, it's a foul i can't let that go maybe if it happens in like the middle of the pitch or something you you can say well it's not that big a deal but you can't like make that challenge basically on the edge of the box take the ball off someone and then play the ball to someone who then scores you, you just can't have it it's a fucking 100 percent foul all day and they took so long like three three minutes at least i mean what's going on just what's going on with that it is completely var has just totally changed the whole sport it's not the same game that it's we're watching anymore it. it's shit isn't it it's just so shit I mean, I think the right we came to the right decision in the end, but it's just like the way it breaks the flow of games, the way it just it just doesn't feel the same. And with the way you you're never sure after there's a goal, even like after you've kicked off again, whether it might even get pulled back, or there's always a doubt in your mind. There's been so many crazy fuck ups. You just think even if it looks like they've got something right, 
that it might that it that it might be changed or there might be some doubt about it. It just it's so 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 shit. Mm-hmm. It just needs fucking off. It's horrendous. It's absolutely horrendous. And yeah, they got the right decision today. But also, it just the point you were touching on about um, about Madley just watching it over and over again and not wanting to change his mind. It's I, for me the whole point was it's supposed to kind of like empower referees and take the pressure off them. It's done the complete opposite. Yeah, they're just absolutely under the spotlight, aren't they? All shitting themselves about being made to look stupid. I don't think that guest. I don't think the ref should be told to go and look. I think they should, you know, the the VAR. I, I think it, it should be there for the referee yeah. to say, you know what, I want to go and have a look and, and see if I'm happy with my decision. I don't think he should be getting told, mm, yeah, we'll, you've, you've got that wrong, but you've not got it that wrong, so we'll just leave it. Or, no, no, we, we don't like that decision, go and have a look. I think they should just look and go, there's enough there for you to go and have a look and, and make your own mind up. Just go and check it. And if he runs over and he has a quick look and he's like, yeah, I'm happy with the decision I made, well, then we can all like debate that and say, what a tit, he's got that completely wrong. But I'd rather have, like, if I'm a referee and I give a decision and in my head I'm like, I don't, you know what, I'm not 100% sure I've got that right. I want to go and just have a quick look. I'm fine with that. That's what it should be there for, is for them to get a second look and then make the decision. No, when I, when I you add somebody com- else into the argument, you, then you because no two people always see things the same I, way. I, that, I'd take it completely away from the referees. I'd make it like managers call, like it what like it is in some other sport. Yeah, one. one oh yeah, well, I'd like to see that. And, and I'd, there's nothing else. There's nothing else. And I'd, I'd, then I'd also get like maybe tell there should be a panel. I think is it Aussie rules? I was hearing somebody talk about. Aussie rules after a whole round of ma- of fixtures. There's a panel that it's got like ex players, referees, people, you know, figures in the game, um, and they sit and they review every key incident. We've got that, over, Paul. We've, we've already got that. We've got no, that. No, 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 no. And they can um, they can rescind or apply sanctions. Um, so they can look at a sanction. That was you given can't take a goal or a penalty away. You can do no. Of course, you can't cards. do it for match changing. You can't change it for match changing things, but you can you can take bans away. You can also, if you thought that somebody should, if somebody got away with one, you can also apply a sanction for that. But what I would do is get away with this. Everything's checked all the time. Football is a game that's supposed to flow. All the other sports where video technology works really well are games where there's constant stoppages. Tennis. Cricket and they don't take rugby. three minutes to come to a decision. These are all sports where the game constantly stops and starts throughout. American sports are the same; they constantly stop and start. Mm. Football is a game that flows. You can have, you know, if Liverpool are playing are playing City, you can. You, it's definitely conceivable you could go ten minutes without the ball going out of play. Mm. You know, so it's it's to, to me like it just isn't suited, well suited as it's used right now to football. Um, I, I don't see any sign that they're going to change, but it's absolutely fucking wrecking the whole sport. It's shit. So it's then, here to, it's here to stay, isn't it? Whether we like it or not, um, John, it, it's, it's here to stay unless but, like the the players and managers do something about it and say fuck this, we don't yeah, want it. They're the only ones who've got the power to do it. We fans, we can't do nothing. We're, we're powerless with this. But if the managers and players all got together and said this is shit, let's get rid of it, they could because if they if they they refuse to play. There's no game, so it's they're the only ones who can change this. It's nothing that we can do as fans. All we can do is just like moan on podcasts and on Twitter. We're totally powerless about it. But just staying on on the VAR, so you then get like the situation in the second half where the game goes on for ninety odd seconds after an incident in the box. Ninety odd seconds, and then 
he's looking at it, he's looking at it, and then he says to the referee, okay, stop the game and go and have a look at that. Now, I don't even think it's a penalty, but even if it is a penalty, that's not a good situation. That's not what how it's supposed to be, is it, surely? Well, I thought it was a penalty, but in the way it is now, the game, I, I have more of a problem with the, the, the bar in the first half than that. Um, oh, uh, Arsenal now scored, sorry. Uh, yeah, um, you know, if that's, the, if that's what it is now, then that's what it is. So I thought it was a clear penalty, to be honest with you, but... Um, you know, the, the issue with the three minutes for the first half was more the issue I had with, with the two VAR decisions that, you know, in the game kind of thing. So, um, you know, if it went back 90 seconds, that's just the way it is. If it was a clear penalty, which in my opinion it was. See, I, the reason I don't think that's a clear penalty, I've only seen like the one angle of it, whereas with the end of one, we saw like loads of different angles, slow motions, close ups, all of we didn't really see any of that unless I've I've missed it. All I seen was like the one angle where the ball comes in, Mateta gets his foot on it, and then Kwanza kicks his foot. But Mateta, where's he playing that ball to? Yeah, the ball just gone knocked, miles, hasn't it? He just gets his foot to but just knocks it away somewhere. It's not gone yeah. to another palace player. He's not getting it himself. There's absolutely nothing going on there, and then he gets caught a split second after he's kicked the ball away. I'm like that—that's not. That's just not a penalty for me. Do you know and the certainly, second one? It's not clear and obvious. The referee didn't give that. And now, if the referee had given it, then we know the situation with Vardy. Don't like to overturn things because of the clear and obvious thing. I don't think there's enough in that for them to say to the referee, "Yeah, you've got that wrong. That—that's a penalty." I just thought that was ridiculous. But you know, maybe that's just me. There are other people saying it's a penalty, but really soft for me, just purely because he's not got control of the ball. He's not doing anything with the ball. Two players go for the ball. One gets there first, just kicks it away to nobody, and then he gets kicked on the foot. But like, I just think that's soft as shit. That really. I mean, yeah, sort of, but I mean, I, I, I've got a major problem with it. Do you know, maybe it was you, John, that made the point in the chat on the second one. What if, you know, the big gap between the incident and the penalty, what if they'd scored? What what if, what if like, one of the teams had scored? I mean, even with, I mean, all yeah, maybe. What, what, but what if it's them? What if they've scored? No, they play advantage. It, get, it then gets if... pulled back for a penalty. They have to disallow the goal and then they miss the penalty. No, if it was them, they wouldn't. Uh, they wouldn't do that. If it was us, is that they, in the they, rules? I, I think you can just play an advantage because that's that's what it is, isn't it? It might be like a ninety odd second advantage, but I don't think they'd bring that back for a penalty if Palace scored in the meantime. No, it's so fucking weird. I'm pretty sure so that's not not how it works. But if we would scored, then they'd have the power to disallow our goal and go back for the pen. How controversial would that have been? Fuck mm. it, now. And then, so, like, they score the penalty. We're 1-0 down. We can have no complaints whatsoever at being 1-0 down because I felt like we'd be dominating the game in terms of possession, but I felt like Palace were at least as likely to score as we were, maybe more so, because their keeper hadn't had anything to do. Alisson had had to make a world-class save, so couldn't begrudge Palace being in front. And... The only blessing is that there's still a lot of time left. So you're thinking, okay, that might wake us up now. We might have to show show some some sort of response. I don't really think we did up until like the the, the sending off happens. Now the sending off, all I'm hearing about is like how how harsh it is and all that. And I I do yeah. have some sympathy with that, only in the sense of the second booking. 
none of us were well I, i'm saying none of us maybe maybe some people were i wasn't screaming give me a yellow card for that when it happens i just thought yeah, it's a foul uh, do you know what dave i wasn't screaming but as soon as he as before the referee even went to his pocket i thought that's a yellow card because it was cynical and they've been doing it all game uh, that's what they i was going to say i think he seven paid or the eight price. yellow cards today did they mm, would have been there or yeah would have been there or thereabouts but i i He's paid the price for other people doing cynical fouls, I think. But I, but I thought maybe, maybe. But even so, I just thought yet another one. I and and I uh, before the referee went to his pockets, I thought that should be a booking, and it was, and I had no problem with it at all because they were doing it throughout the game. They, they were. were, and if you're looking at it in isolation, which is what the commentators were doing, uh, they're looking at that, going, "Oh, that's a really soft yellow," and it is. You know, the actual foul itself is a soft yellow, but it's in the context of what was happening. It could just be that, like, the referee was just getting pissed off with the fact that they kept doing it. You know, any time it looked like we might, we might like try to break out, they were just fouling. And the first booking, he steps in front of it to to stop us taking a quick free yeah. kick. And again, you've got to book him for that. You can't not book him for that first one. That's not even an option. It's like that's compulsory. Yeah. If someone does that, you have to book them. And like the second one, I do feel like he's a bit unlucky. But I don't think it's this big, great injustice that, like, the the narrative that the commentators were, were trying to push. I say commentators, I don't think it was so much, um, like, the woman, I don't know who she was, Lucy or something that she was called. I don't think it was it was, her, it was the other fella. Fletch. Um, yeah. Fletch. Yeah. Fletch. Oh, yeah. he was going on and not, and, and like, oh, he man. was really pushing that, that narrative. He was doing me head in. And even to the point where when they said there was going to be 10 minutes added on at the end, he was really going on about that. And he was like, well, I think you're going to hear some loud booing when that when the board goes up. <laughs> and he put the boards up and there was nothing. There was, like, nothing, was, was fans. <laughs> there was no reaction got, from the Palace fans. That, yeah, and I'm yeah. like, ah, yeah, they've made you look a dick You're just being out off there, Fletch. Fuck yeah. off, Fletch. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this whole like, and then you've obviously you've got fucking dickhead camel face Rio Ferdinand chiming in, and you know exactly what he's gonna say when he gets asked about something. It's like you knew he was gonna be going on about how how harsh it was and all that, because that's just what he does. He's he's a tit. But um, the send, I don't know if the sending off was the thing that livened us up and changed the game. Or if it was more the Harvey fact we scored. On. Well, Harvey definitely helped. But more so the fact that we scored straight away. Now, yeah. did we score because they were down to 10 men? Or did we just score? And then either way, once we got that goal, that was it. Then it was totally Well, there's definitely more space, wasn't there? They, did, they didn't just go into a very, very obdurate low block. I mean, maybe it was just too quick for them. But there was there was definitely a bit more space. And I was so I thought they just all like retreat to the penalty area immediately, go really compact, really low, and they didn't quite do that. Um, but maybe, as I said, I've lost track of how close the goal was to the send it off. It was pretty it quick. Was, wasn't it was it? within like within a minute, I think. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, well, it maybe was, that, maybe that explains lengthy it. Lengthy seconds, I think. Yeah, was, right. Yeah. But I mean, for me, in my mind, if I'm thinking back, obviously I haven't watched it back again. But it, it was it was Harvey for me, which made the which made the and change. Joe Gomez. Just, yeah, just I definitely Joe Gomez, but Harvey is a tempo setter. Yeah, Harvey is someone. So if you think of in my mind, if I think of like the players who are starting to carve out sort of reputations this season for themselves, Virgil is back to being Virgil the Rock. Allison is like unbeatable. Curtis is the one who doesn't give the ball away, and Harvey is the one who sets the tempo. You lift the think, tempo, yeah. Lifts that, yeah, yeah. Sorry, comes he, off the bench. That, and you're totally absolutely right. Lifts, yeah, yeah, he picks it up because yeah. I think a hallmark of our football this season has been a low tempo. Ponderous the intensity isn't there, mm-hmm. and Harvey comes on and he, and he lifts it. Yeah. Um, so in my mind, I was kind of linking the two, 
but I think maybe yeah, the proximity of the um, of the the, the, the equaliser to the sending off was was a factor definitely. But I certainly felt we had more space. I certainly felt like um, yeah, you know, we were able to move the ball around quicker and to have more opportunities on the ball. Um, and yeah, having a right was, back who stays out wide and and does well when he's out wide as yeah. well and whips it That's, in. And like, I've been saying for a while, I really like him at right back. I think he's yeah, totally yeah. transformed the attacking side of his game. I mean, his attack and play was fucking boss today, taking really people good. on and everything. You know, I really like really Joe good. Gomez as a right back. Whips a great ball in as well, doesn't he? Does. He? And so, like this whole conversation about should we buy a right back and all that, well. It's this, to me. There's two separate conversations there. There's the conversation about does Trent play in midfield all the time, and then the conversation do we buy a right back? Well, in answer to, to the Trent thing, who knows? In answer to do we buy a right back? Absolutely not. What, who are you going to get? Who's going to be like that much better than Joe Gomez? I totally agree, Dave. I just and don't I think also, it's necessary. He's you know really what good. I'm going to say now? So Quanser as well. I'm happy with Quanser as Joel's replacement, which means left side. Where's the gap? Back. It's a left-footed centre off or maybe a hybrid player I just don't understand when we were looking at those in the summer Why? I mean you could say the same thing about, about mobile sixes as well I think today showed that we need a mobile six as well I think if we're going to play such you know you know, high risk high reward football where we get right up the pitch but we are would that have changed that much though a, a counter say again would that have changed that much because I don't think like that we, we gave I, too no, much it away no it wasn't it wasn't like a massive that. issue but I just felt there were moments where if you've got so it's it's just another string to our bow isn't it I think we need it I think if you look over the season there's times when we are susceptible to these counters no and I if agree you've got with that real pace there then that really helps us in terms of today's game yeah probably not that relevant I just thought there were moments where it where it's only a couple of the moments where it showed for me it could have been more relevant today if uh, Alicia and Eze were playing I think yeah I'm sure totally like different John. game if they both yeah play. it's yeah. like the, you know they're, they're like creative sparks Palace was like first 11 today it was like workman like yeah. more than anyone and I, but I maybe thought the... they did well you know I've got to give Palace credit for I thought they did a good job on us considering the amount of players they had missing including the two best players I thought they did as well as they could I mean you're replacing Eze and Alicia say with fucking Ayu and Schlupp mm. it's, a, it's like a massive drop off isn't he so I thought Huge. I thought they did well but yeah you know they didn't counter attack that much I thought they did as well as they could but I didn't think a six would have made a great difference today but I agree with the overall point that you know it's something that we should be looking at yeah I think like you think like Palace over the years the type of team they are at Sellers you know the, the, they are like that counter attack you know when Zaha has been yeah. there in the past and that and you, you know if those players were still there today like the mobile six as Paul saying would have been absolutely been necessity I think um, you know with those type of players playing for Palace but there will be other teams who play like you have got those types of players as the season goes on kind of thing um, where you know we, we will need that type of player as the season yeah. goes on don't you, don't you just think it's weird that we looked at both of those types of players in the summer and we looked hard in actual fact we actually backed up we backed it up with some massive bids for a couple of players and then we just seem to have completely moved away from it and when I look at it now I think the need is maybe more pressing than it was in the summer I yeah. just find it strange. Klopp, Klopp almost spat his dummy out in his press conference or at some point this week when he was asked about signings. And I just think it's the one... I, I know he likes to protect the players that he's got currently. He doesn't want them to feel like they're under undue pressure. He doesn't want like an implicit suggestion that they're not good enough. 
but uh, he's almost, he's a little bit childish about it, I think. This kind of like complete denial that we're interested in anyone until we turn around and either we're in trouble because we haven't done some business or we go and sign some anyway, despite his protestations. I, it just it, to me, it's glaring that we need we need both really. You know, particularly when you look at the at the league table as it stands right now, with Arsenal one nil down against Villa at half time. You know, the title we should be looking at winning the title this season and maybe winning at least one other trophy. Yeah, that might be contingent on making some additions, and we cannot forget how many times we get caught out by injuries in in certain positions, and that we end up regretting the fact that we didn't move for somebody. Um, when we had the opportunity to, mm. I don't know. I, I mean, it's not neither point is hugely relevant to today. But <clears> I, I, it came out of your point, Dave, about Joe Gomez being really good as a right back, and I totally agree with that. I think then he gives you cover centre off and right back. But then I think it then puts this emphasis with Matip out and Canate having an injury, ongoing injury wobbles on somebody to cover Virgil. Um, yeah, and I just think there's moments where I keep seeing the need for these things and we're not doing it. Not re- not particularly relevant to today, so maybe I've sidetracked a little bit there, sorry, but just, I just think that that issue won't go away. No, but just a quick point on, on Klopp talking about transfer. He doesn't like talking about transfers anyway, but I also felt like this week, I felt there was an element of him thinking, you know, Joel's not even cold in his grave yet and you're fucking wanting me to talk about bringing someone in. Fair. I think that was yeah. maybe he just thought this is not really the, the time to be doing that. Like, you know, he, the day before he'd found out that Joel had done his ACL, and I just think he didn't want any part of that discussion. And I, and I totally, totally get that. But it's not a one off. You know, he, he does tend to be a little bit like that at times over transfers anyway. Um, I suppose that, like, if you're a manager and you're getting asked about that, you're not going to tell anyone who, who you're planning on buying, what type of sign. You, you, you're going to just straight battered aren't you and he, he probably just gets fed up getting asked about it but um, I do think that we need to do something in terms of the, the, the centre back situation now only because and Klopp said this himself he said we're fine with the four we've got it's if something happens to one of them and given Canate's history you know the, the fact that Canate couldn't you couldn't even consider starting Canate today because he played 90 minutes in, in midweek so what does that tell you you know, we're, we're like we're one in. Konate's gonna get another injury. He's gonna get another muscle injury. He, he's good for like three or four every season, isn't he? So yeah. at some point, he's gonna pull up with like a hamstring, and he's gonna be out for like three to four weeks. Well, um, Gomez with his sister. Gomez injuries are like bad injuries. Gomez aren't injuries they? are unlucky injuries. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, they're not because of his I mean. body that breaking down. Again. It could, yeah, but, but I, I'm less worried about Gomez. I, I think his injuries are impact injuries, and he's not constantly pulling up with like a you know a groin strain or a hamstring or something like that. Um, touch wood, like hopefully I haven't jinxed him. But Gomez's injury problems are slightly different. Gomez is more likely to to end up like getting like a a broken cheekbone or something going up for a header than he is pulling his hamstring when he's running. But didn't so, Gomez have the same injury twice early in his career? He did his did knee he? twice, didn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah. And he had a really bad ankle injury at one point as well. But like they were from tackles or like just landing awkwardly. So, But I, the problem is, like Klopp said, we're fine with the four as long as we've, we've always got the four. It's when you haven't got the four, that's when... You start to have problems. So oh, I mean, God for, I mean, it's more about Virgil as well. You know, as well, isn't it? He's like, yeah. he, if he you can't injured. legislate for that though, John. If he I gets know. injured, then whoever you're bringing in, it's like Allison. You know, it's it, it, there's going to be like the drop off. You just got to hope that he stays fit and take it for granted that that he will. But yeah, it, it's I do think because Joel's down and not coming back this season. 
Klopp also said about like they'll look after him, which is what we thought would happen anyway. That like there'll be some sort of short term deal to get himself fit, maybe one more season, and then he'll move on. But that's no good to us at this moment. You know, I do think in January, whatever plans they may have had for a centre back, they need to bring it forward because we're like one or two injuries away from a title challenge being totally scuppered, aren't we? Feels like we've yeah. been here before with this yeah. discussion. We have, like, yeah. In, in the past, and what did we, we do then? We put Fabinho there. Enzo, mm. I hope, I hope en- Enzo's prepared for this because <laughs> at some point he's going to be filling in at centre back this season. There is going to come a point where Enzo's playing centre back. Even when we finished second at the, 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 the City, wasn't he? Like, uh, you know, I don't think we signed anyone that January, but we were. He like, said, "Oh, we've got to sign such and such." It always feels like we need one or two players in January. Yeah, um, we, we very rarely get we them. Very rarely. I mean, like, well, when we sign them, we sign players in positions where we're not expecting to sign somebody, yeah. like Diaz. Yeah, Diaz, yeah. yeah, that that was like, you know. I was, out of the blue pretty much wasn't it uh, See, even, even Gakpo that. last year I thought like I remember being yeah, on a podcast yeah. saying yeah, yeah. I don't think we needed them you know I prefer to start with, you know, we signed a midfielder obviously we signed about seven of them in the summer or whatever but um, you know I wasn't pining him for Gakpo this time last year I didn't think like he was specifically needed I know we had injuries up front last year didn't we we had a lot of forward players injured it just seems that we, we seem to get same position injured a lot rather than like one or two in other positions, if you know what I mean. It just seems to be like uh, we've had it in past seasons where you know we've had a few forwards injured, you know, a couple of years back we had all the centre backs injured, so hopefully that just doesn't happen this season. But what we've done with, with the, the signings, the January thing was like more so Diaz than Gakpo, but I do think there was an element of this with Gakpo. Like we got we brought Diaz forward. Because Tottenham had done a deal, like Tottenham had agreed a deal, and we wanted them in the summer to replace Sadio, and we had to bring that forward because the, the whole Tottenham thing. And I also think with Gakpo, like United had been sniffing around and supposedly put a bid in. Again, I don't know whether that was just bringing it forward because he was Bobby's replacement. Bobby's leaving at the end of the season. The plans like we get Gakpo in, and they just done that earlier. So whatever the plan is for like a centre back in the summer, I think they need to escalate that you know do it in january because that could end up like really costing us because they've like, been linked to anyone though dave a center back yesterday we got we got linked with him i've forgotten his name but he, he plays for wolfsburg which is ibiza george's club wasn't it so he's, he's obviously yeah. got links there uh, is he left-footed all right um he play. I don't know if he's left-footed. I think he plays left side. Whether he's, he's right-footed, I don't know. But he played with Canate in in uh, the the youth team at uh, Socio, or however you pronounce that. Um, um, I was going to say Soch Yorks then, but like, I thought that was me just <laughs> taking Soch the piss. Yorks. <laughs> yeah, he, he played with Canate in that youth team. He was like his centre back partner, so he's the same age as Canate, so twenty three. Remember, I put um, in the chat a few weeks back, I was at Talk Sport and working. Vickery was on it saying we were linked to some Sao Paulo centre left yeah. footers. And remember, I put yeah. the clip in the, uh, yeah, yeah. In the chat. Oh, yeah, get him signed up. He just looked like a uh, you know, front footed defender, good left foot on him. Yeah, so it's just even on YouTube clips as you do, you're just like, oh, get him signed. Yeah, yeah I can't so think well, of the lad's it, name, though. if that is who they're looking at, then do it, get it done mm-hmm. early. And if it's a Brazilian, now's the time to do it anyway because their season yeah. will be finished. But yeah, we, we'll have to see with that. But you know, time will tell, I suppose. But yeah, back to the game anyway. So we're one 0 down. Um, changes are getting made. Uh, what's the first ch- first change? Canati comes on for Quanta straight was after the, first the pen. One, yeah. Who came on with Canati? There was 
Was it Elliot or was it Jones? No, Elliot and Jones came on together. It was Gakpo. Gakpo. Yeah, Gakpo so Gakpo comes on. Uh, Kwanza goes off for Kanate. Uh, Gakpo comes on for Gravenberg. Gravenberg, yeah. And then the next lot of changes come. Nothing really happened there. Next changes come and we got uh, Gomez for one of the Gomez for Enzo, wasn't it? Gomez for Enzo. Um, Darwin went off as well. For, for Harvey. Darwin for Harvey. Yeah. And he went off for Curtis. Sobersley. Uh, Sobersley, yeah. So the, the changes that get made. Um, the only surprising thing for me was that Diaz somehow stayed on for the entire game. But at oh, the same yeah. time, none of the players who did get brought off could have any complaints of being brought off. So it, it's like, you know, it was take your pick really, wasn't it? You could have, you could have subbed anyone. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't want to do... I'd let, let's not do the Darwin conversation again because we've done it to death. So, <laughs> apart from to say eight goals is now... An eight game, sorry, is now a concern. But I, there's no way I, my finger was pointed at him more than anyone else. I thought I would have taken Diaz off before Darwin, definitely. Mm. I thought Diaz was just absolutely anonymous. Dom is in a bit of a slump as well. Said that before. Gravenberg, the same. There's just We just look a little bit insipid and don't really look to have that intensity across our front line, really, you know. But if it wasn't with Mo just continually chipping in. Um, and the others have done and he it wasn't good today starts. either, but he's popped up when we needed him, but he didn't Absolutely. play well. He's, he's not playing well at the moment. Uh, should we talk? Should we do Mo? Let's do Mo. Yeah, no, just one quick word Fuck on Darwin. Um, I think I need to I need to be critical because people think like you know I'm just defending him all the time, but like I have got a criticism of him today. I didn't think like he played badly. I didn't think he got any service at all. It was difficult for him to do anything the way we played. But one thing that he is in control of, or he should be in control. Is this of, about his hair, Dave? No, no, it's about the offsides. <laughs> Fucking stay yeah. onside. Stop running offside. It was doing me head in. It's crept in yeah. recently. That yeah, that was never really that much of an issue, but it started to become an issue. He's he's getting caught offside now. Sometimes it's because he, he makes a run and the pass doesn't come early enough. But other times, it's just you know it's, it's unnecessary. It's yeah, like, fucking see. stay onside. You're that There's quick. no need for him to be offside. You don't need just, to be. Yeah, yeah, you don't need to be getting caught offside like that. So that's something that needs to be sorted. And I hope that's sort of not the saying to him this week. Fucking sort that out. That's not. That's not good. But in terms of the rest of his game, I just didn't think he got any service at all. There was like no through balls for him to run onto. Just nothing. But the way we played was just not good today. It was it was hard for the forwards to do anything. Um, but yeah, the substitutions did make a difference, especially Harvey as usual. Gomez just giving us that. The the shape was just better. We had like width on the right. Um, that's when yeah, that's what I touched on earlier. The squad just looks stronger, doesn't it? Like, look at the players who come on today: Harvey, Curtis, uh, Gakpo, um, Gomez, Joe, Canate. Yeah, Canate. You know that's like you know. It's a strong, it's a strong bench. The rest strong of the bench, bench was kids, yeah. and that's much. without Jota as well on the yeah. bench. Yeah, we had so. some kids on the bench as well, like, but you're still bringing on quality players, and the substitutions do make a difference. You know, it, it, we've seen it all season. That's definitely been, it's been a big feature of the season, really. Is like because too often, like uh, we're relying on subs to come on because the performances well, are just not getting it. Done. Again, that article today, by far and away, the most goals by substitutes in the league mm. this season, Liverpool. See, but that, see, this it. goes back to the uh, the argument a couple of years back about the three subs thing being, you know, allocated to five kinds of thing. It's like, you know, that definitely benefited us today more than the Palace. You know, we've got 
much stronger squad than you know Palace have, and obviously a toll today in the end. And yet, there's other teams, that, there's other big sides, big spending sides that aren't benefiting, John. Mm. Man They're City's not, bench is fucking dog yeah. shit. Yeah, he chooses to keep a really small squad. Yeah, City have got like a core of like 16, 17, and probably say like 16 players who the you know, but they've got like that random one they've got on the bench called Billy Bob or something. Billy Bob, Oscar, yeah, Billy Bob Thornton, Billy Bob Thornton, yeah, Bad Santa Alba on the Christmas period, yeah. Yeah, but City have just, yeah, you know, our squad's more, they've got like more, what would you say, well, they have had like more match winners, you'd probably say, over recent years, you know, they've lost Not a lot now, of goals, though. haven't they? Uh, City. Not now. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't think their squad's as strong as it was last no, year at all. No, well, they lost like goals from like Gundogan went what what's Gundogan remember Dan called <laughs> Gundogan yeah Gundogan left and um and Mahrez as well yeah. yeah so they've not really replaced like because you know that Docker looks a good player but Mahrez was quality wasn't he not many goals in Docker are there no. and uh, De Bruyne are injured boys listen we need to we need to talk about Mo go on then T- 200 200 goals today Absolutely incredible. Fifth on our all-time list. Fucking hell. It's mm. mad. It's mad how good he is, how consistent he is. I was that definitely his goal the, today. Was that, was that on target? Yeah, I think so, I've yeah. not seen it. But even, but even so, like, that, yeah. don't get sidetracked with all that shit. Let's yeah. talk about what a great player he was. Yeah, I wouldn't be saying that if it was Darwin. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be arguing <laughs> Al said in the chat, he now, he now thinks Mo's our, our um, best, best ever player. I mean, for me, and you'll be the same, Dave. I know it's going to take a lot to knock Suarez out of that out of that conversation. But Mo definitely now is is in the make, conversation. Make the distinction, for me. Paul, because people are going to be going mad. So now. yeah, best, the, and, for, best for, and greatest to best things. and greatest. Yeah. So for yeah. me, best is about purely about ability. You know, that's it's just all you're looking at is is pure ability. And for me, I, I'm struggling to see how we'll ever get better than Suarez. I suppose it's conceivable because for a long time it was Kenny. And then many, many, many years for me, it was Kenny. And then Suarez came along and I went, oh, okay, fair enough. But greatest, you have to consider longevity. You have to consider trophies. You have to consider loyalty. You have to consider character. You have to, con- the whole package is in the mix. And you look at Mohamed Salah now, he is in that conversation with Dalglish, Gerard. Some people would have Johnny Barnes in there. Some people have even Rush in there. Um, for our greatest ever player, I, I just—he's definitely in the conversation. I think your Al said it might be—it might be Salah for him now, who's at the top of that list. And that's not an outrageous shout. It's not one that I—I I don't think I agree with that. But it's still not an outrageous shout to say that he's. He, he, someone thinks that he's the greatest player we've ever had. Particularly, you know, someone I've—you know—Al's not a kid, um, so he's seen lots of great players play for us. I think it just—it's an indication of how consistently brilliant he's been and for all that you know some of us can pick holes in things that he does or doesn't do from game to game and I think we all have moments where we look at him and think he didn't actually do much in the game apart from score I think those last three words apart from score are key because he's just so so consistent his numbers are ridiculous 200 goals fifth on the all-time list it's conceivable to me he could go third from memory I think Third or even maybe maybe second, but third, I think, on that list, if he has a, if he if he signs another contract, um, he's he's unbelievable, 
And I just think we're all in a mode now where we kind of take it for granted. We see there's elements of his game which are changing. We see that he doesn't have that burst of pace to rip past players anymore. Um, I think once he's in front, he's fine. He's not slow, but he hasn't got that pace to just kind of like take people on and beat them. That seems to have gone. And we can see that he's, he's adding strings to his bow in terms of how he supports other players and is more creative. But those numbers are insane for me. He's a serious, serious all-time great for Liverpool and absolutely nailed on in our all-time eleven. No yeah. one gets close to him on that side of the on that side of our all-time eleven. He's unbelievable for me. Oh, well, I disagree. I think his fan Cosmos in there. To be honest with you, yeah, come on, when's Mo ever come on against Chesterfield and turn, turn the, game the game round? Yeah, I was on the cop <laughs> that night. When you think back, all three nil down and three nights on the cop and that. And yeah, Ishvan. Right we got a famous four-all draw because of Ishvan Cosma. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I um, he's not the greatest for me, but it is fair to say he's in the conversation. I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't like dispute that at all. And he's definitely in the best eleven. He's definitely in my best eleven. Absolutely, like, no yeah. Concur with everything that Paul said there, one hundred percent. And also, how far do you think he'll go, boys? How, how much further do you think he'll go in terms of numbers? So he's got two hundred. Do you think he can make two fifty? Mm, will big, he even be here yeah. next season, though? I think this. he will. I think he. I don't think he's gonna. Have all the Saudi talking last year. I'm inclined to agree, Dave. But. I mean, he's ve- he's very focused on legacy, isn't he? Yeah. And records, and, and he I just, think he might go for an, an extension. He seems and I like think he'll think. Klopp said himself, hasn't he? Like, that it feels like this is like the happiest that he's ever been. He's embraced the leadership role. He's yeah, like, he's mentoring like people like Harvey, you know. And I don't, I don't think he'll want to trade that to go and play in some fucking Mickey Mouse league in front of fucking six hundred people like Henderson's done. Now, obviously, Mo wouldn't be playing for that shitty team. He'd be playing for one of like the the bigger teams, but. He's too good to be going over there. He just shouldn't do it, you know. And I know it's money, but I'm just I'm sick of people being fucking greedy bastards. Like this week, and I'm not going to get too sidetracked and turn it into golf. But fucking John Ram has gone to live golf, despite saying like he was quoted like six months ago. He done a press conference and he said, "I've spoke to my wife and we, and we agreed what what difference is four hundred million dollars going to make to our lifestyle? I've already got enough money. I could retire now. I don't do this for money." And he also said, I don't like the format of live golf. 54 holes isn't proper golf. The only reason people are going there is for money. And now he's just fucking signed for them for like $500 million, whatever it was. And it's like, it's sickening, you know, that it's like, how much money do you need? Like, it's not no, like the equivalent of Henderson, like in, alienating in a way, the LGBTQ community. In a way, be, be, just because like some of them will go and take the money, but they've never said anything. You know, they're not hypocrites. It's like, okay, they've just taken the money. But if you actually come out and you make a stance about something and you say, no, no, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't go for the money. And then the money just goes up and up to the point where you go, all right, yeah. I just think like, no, you just made yourself look like a tit. And I just think Mo's... Mo's got more to him than to just I agree. take the money and go over there. Maybe when he's like 36 or something like that, maybe you do it then, like Ronaldo did. Maybe you do something like that because Mo will still be playing. He's, he's so what do you think is, like Ronaldo. I think most. What do you think his ceiling is two. for us boys in terms of numbers? So he's on two hundred today. Billy Little's two two eight. I think Gordon Hodgson is Gordon. I do too. Gordon Hodgson is two four one, and Roger Hunt. Rod, this is the stretch. Roger, I think he, I think he can go third. 
Roger Hunt, 285. I mean, Rushy, uh, he's not going to go to Rushy, 346. No, that'll Rod- never be beat. Roger Hunt, 285. No, Is 86 more goals conceivable for Mo Salah at Liverpool? It's conceivable, but it's unlikely. How many yeah. more did you say, Paul? He needs another 86 and he goes second. I mean, that's like another three like to four seasons worth, 20 isn't it? 20 goals, isn't it? I think it's four seasons now. Yeah, four seasons with twenty plus goals. I mean, if you're going on the last four seasons, he's, you know, people are saying he's had a, not iffy seasons by his standards. You could say, uh, you know, but after that first season, what was it forty-eight goals or whatever it was? I mean, he's generally consistent between what twenty-five, thirty a season. So it's possible isn't it it's absolutely I think possible drop off slightly I don't think you'll get quite that many it depends on like, what happens appearances with the team as well though doesn't yeah. it I mean yeah. you know yeah. his powers might diminish but the team who knows what's around the corner and, you know Klopp might leave in a couple of years hopefully not but you just don't know what's around the corner I mean feasibly it's possible but if he got to third I think he's done there third is where I think he'll get to yeah, yeah me too me too I think but I, 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 do we agree that we second is possible it's conceivable, even if not likely. Yeah, I'd say, I, I'd yeah. say it's, yeah. it's highly unlikely, but not impossible. Yeah, I think he'll have that in his sights, you know. Oh, he'll, he'll, he'll have Rushy in his sights, it's Mo. <laughs> Come on, it's Mo. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But you know what you were saying before about how he doesn't want it, it's, it's not about the money. I definitely think he's legacy-focused, and I, yeah. think he will, I think he'll be looking hard at that list now. No, I agree, yeah. What a should player. We, should we get to the winner? Yeah. Lovely goal from Harvey. Uh, do we think that the them having to make the goalkeeper change? Do you think that made any difference to the? To, should the keeper have maybe saved that? He's come on cold. He's inexperienced. Maybe he's like slightly out of position because I wouldn't want my goalkeeper getting beat in that corner. On the side, yeah, yeah. Not taking uh, anything away from the strike, which is wouldn't say, it wasn't strike. a glaring mistake, no, but no. the possibility could have saved it. I mean, yeah. Um, I was, I, Everyone I, I thought got, that keeper was, was like just trying to break the play up and waste time, but he was actually injured. Yeah, injured, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I uh, owe well, him an got, I just give Harvey the credit there. You know, it was yeah. a good, you know, good strike. You know, he did, did well, yeah, it was making the space for himself. And uh, you know, I think like Mo thought, I thought he might have slipped Mo in initially. Mo was just running off him, I think. Um, but it, you know, was just, you know, on his left foot from what twenty odd yards out, he's always going to shoot there. Yeah. And, you know, it was a really good strike. You know, he's got a hell of a left foot on him. Do you know what that that goal just showed though really like we spoke about Harvey coming on and just raising the tempo and stuff the thing with Harvey comes on it's like it, everything he wants to do was positive it's like he's just mm. trying to to get us going and he, nobody else throughout that entire game even attempted to do what he did you know just like drive at them get get onto your you go foot and it's a shot nobody even really tried to do that all day that's the first time in the game I can remember any of our players doing that, and he scored from it. Yeah, that, well, he's, like he's a... been. Oh, sorry, John. All, all season, that sort. Of, you know, I think back to that Newcastle game. You know, the brilliant like comeback there. That sort of set the tone, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, one 0 down, and you know, I was looking a bit desperate. Uh, you know, I credit him as much for that win as I do. You know, Nunes for Steady. the three goals and that. <laughs> Yeah, you know, but I think he came on before Darwin that day, but he just started getting us playing a little bit and just getting yeah, that confidence yeah. in the game when, you know, I was looking a bit, 
Und bei Refi, das ist der Liefstand, das haben wir immer wieder gesehen. Aber ja, Harvey geht an den Ball, ja, bei der Charakter, bei der Confidence. Und um, das hat also paved the way dann für Darwin, because we got a bit of a foothold in the game at that point. So all season, Harvey's been like that off the bench. And Do you think that's why he's not started though, John? Because I think because he's unlucky impact. not to be started. But do you think it's because he's that good a sub? Could well be, but I mean, as you used to touch on him, he's got to start. I mean, so we play this week in the Europa. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't. I should be starting Graven Birch and Zom in that game, and you know, playing and play Harvey, Harvey against Sunday. the Manx. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Just give Harvey. Do you know the, a I don't know. Do you know the thing about about Harvey that I liked about him this season is I think you can see clear things that he's definitely worked on. Which are bearing fruit on the pitch. So it's of, I mean, this kind of mentorship thing that he's got going with Mo. I thought that was really, that was, that was dead sound. That in that interview they did after the game, where you can definitely see the connection between them. You know, Mo really likes what he sees in Harvey. I think, I think he kind of like sees a, a similar, not the same, but a player who kind of like he sees bits of himself in, and, and obviously Harvey looks up to Mo and hangs on his every word. But I can, you can definitely see Harvey's developed his core strength this season, and I think he's, you know, for a player of his stature. He's clearly taken Mo as his role model for that because you know Mo can't be knocked off the ball really. Can Mo he, said though, like... didn't he, about I, I I help him in the gym. Right, yeah, 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 and I think but you can see said. that you you can see that bearing fruit. But the other thing as well is, is I think his his, his finishing's improving as well. You know, he's getting he hasn't he's, he's not like he hasn't got a bag full of goals, but he's where he seems to be when he when he takes chances they seem much more threatening now. And he's got a couple of goals this season. I think he's got three maybe. Yeah, I think or so. Am I, am I, and then he's got one the England off ones as well, think, didn't he? That's right, and he's got he got two for England, didn't he as well? So it's de- he's working on free, he's taking free kicks for the under twenty ones. So uh, you you England under twenty ones that is. So you you look at him and you see I I get the sense that he's I mean he's obviously a red and he loves us, but he's hungry. Yeah. He's really hungry and he's not satisfied with where he is. He's very very focused on being a first team player. But there's a humility to him, which I love. You know, he's not like, kind of like, I deserve this, I deserve that. You know, he's happy to go out on loan, knowing that he was going to, he wanted to earn his way to come back and become, get nailed down a squad place. Now he's becoming this kind of impact player who comes on and sort of changes the tempo of games and has an impact in games. If he carries on on this trajectory, he's going to be a big player for us. I mean, you could argue he already is a big player in the yeah. context of the squad system that we have. But somebody who's who's has even more impact on the squad. I really like him. There's a lot to like about him. Yeah. Not just in how he plays, but in his attitude and his development. He's 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 sound, doesn't he? He's a, he's, yeah. a, he's a really likable guy. He is made up, yeah, made up yeah, with him. Yeah, it's like one him. of us having the talent he's got playing for our, the club we love, isn't it? Cause, you know, he loves the club. You can see that. You, yeah. you know, he's just like what, so one of us having to... the talent to play for the club he loves. It's yeah. It's I about, think, it's think about John's just opened the door for you there. Yeah, don't it's, you? it's just opportunities, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? You get the opportunity, like you know, or if you have a bit of bad luck and yeah, it's amazing. Well, Carrot on Twitter reminded yeah. us all about uh, about your youth career at <laughs> Liverpool and scoring against the Manx. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fucking hell okay we'll get to this now because there'll be some people listening who, who won't have a clue what's going on others who followed it on Twitter on now. can I just say before you tell the story and you, you should tell it I used to absolutely love Jamie Carragher but he's gone beyond John now in terms of enabling your nonsense it's unbelievable <laughs> what he did today I know between him and then last week James Skelly praising me songwriting skills how many times did you you must have been texting Carragher constantly <laughs> Go ahead, tell the no, story. No, so so it was earlier in the week. I seen like I seen a tweet from John Walters, 
and he'd said um, he'd, he'd been like he's always like needling Liverpool fans on Twitter, which is fine, you know. He's just messing around and all that, no problem with any of that. So he said, "A pair of boots for all you beautiful Liverpool fans. Win the match boots that scored this penalty against Rainer and Liverpool." Um, Cara took me out in the box. VAR would have a hundred percent given it, which basically he's taking the piss because he dived for that penalty. And he said, uh, "And no, I don't have the pair that missed the pen against Mignolet." So I just I seen it and I just replied and I said, "Have you got the ones from that game when you scored two own goals, missed the pen, and hit yourself in the face with an overhead kick?" So <laughs> that was like you know it was like three days later because it was getting like a few likes and retweets. I even had a Stoke fan reply and say like you know that's a quality comment and that. So it was like a few days later he replies and he says. Um, Yes, I'll give you them and the five of you because he's seen the photo of us at the Coral Gig. So he's obviously gone on the timeline and looked through that. He went, yes, I'll I'll give you them and the five of you a thousand pound each if you can give me a pair of boots that any of you have played a professional game in. If not, keep it quiet down at the back. So I'm like, okay, okay. So it's, like, it's like that, is it? So I just I replied and I said. Yeah, you got me there. None of us have ever played a professional game. And then I said, none of us have ever tweeted about being a Tory either, though. So there is that. Which, a few years ago, he was putting tweets out about, like, voting Tory and stuff. And and then he replies. And then I felt a little bit bad, to be fair. Like, he replied and he said, only when it suits your agenda, hey, guys. Must have missed plenty of others. And he quoted a tweet that he'd put out, like, I don't know, five years ago or something where he was uh, supporting like his local Labour candidate and saying like you know vote for this guy and all that and he in in his in that tweet he'd apologised for uh, well not apologised but he'd said a few years ago I made I'm not I'm not a political person and a few years ago I made some ill advised comments about like about politics which was basically when he was talking about being a Tory so he walked that back and he, he said I'm Labour now so I'm like you know what fine no problem I'm not going to hold that against him but then I just thought I didn't like the whole never played professional comment it, it didn't sit right with me and also why was I catching strays and why was Chris catching because strays? he looked at the photo he, he didn't know which one I was he just seen a photo of the five of us at the Coral gig and he's looked at us and gone look at them five dickheads none of them ever fucking <laughs> well he's not wrong there on dickheads has he ever kicked a ball in, in anger so but, but the thing is, though, he doesn't know, like, any of our backstories. So <laughs> I replied and I said, um, fair enough, John. I was just irked by the never played professional comment. I was a youth player at Liverpool but got a bad knee <laughs> injury and, and had to quit. Which, that could be true for all he knows. You know, he's just rushed to that judgment. This might be true and I might be traumatised by this. And I said... <laughs> I played a couple of games with Cara when he moved up the age groups. It still hurts when I think about what might have been. <laughs> so then I messaged Cara. I was like, look, I need you to get on and back me up here with John Walters. <laughs> so John Walters replies, fair enough, handshake emoji. I played with plenty of guys in the youth teams that had everything. Just bad luck at the wrong time. Stop them. He's a good guy, Cara, and I bet he hasn't changed a bit. And I just went, cheers, John. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> and then it gets worse. <laughs> so then, so, so then, Cara weighs in and replies to like to my message about playing in the youth team, and he goes, "Still remember that goal you got against Man United in the youth cup?" <laughs> <laughs> 
And uh, so someone, like one of the listeners, Paul Precious, replies to Cara and goes, do you think Dave would have made an ideal foil to Kenny Dalgleish or were they too similar? <laughs> Which is obviously like a joke from the pod. And Cara just replied, the heir apparent. <laughs> Honest to God. My heart sank when I saw that one. But it's Fuck too funny. Hell. It's it, like John Walters hasn't hasn't said nothing back because me and John are mates now. We we like <laughs> we, we came me and John to, are mates. We came oh, to okay. an understanding. Like <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like just but but for like some unlucky breaks, maybe I would have been playing. The thing is, though, it wasn't a knee injury that ended me career. It was a fucking school teacher in St George's. Stop calling the career. I said my career was ended. Walter fucking Mitty. Okay, the end stop, of the day. stop me having a career. At John... the end of the day, right, John Walters, I don't John, care. John, don't start. John Walters has never played on Park Road Sports Centre on Bommy Night. That's it. Character. You've got to have, like, yeah. tough character and mentality to play. He may have played play. hundreds of games on uh, yeah, Stoke oh, on a wet Tuesday yeah. night. But he's but never, he's never played, played on Park a Road. Park Road on a Bommy Night on a Thursday night. So, John, piss off John Walters. <laughs> the, the funniest part of this was that... This is how front of John is on your behalf when there, John seen it when John seen it he was fucking fuming and he couldn't he couldn't reply to John Walters because he's already been blocked by him <laughs> what did you give him shit about being a Tory John that's it yeah yeah it's right yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah it, it was funny because like some of the other replies like there was someone uh, like um Someone was having a go at me, like, because uh, t- obviously they don't know I'm, I'm only fucking joking. Oh, Someone was, was taking the piss that. about, like, um, oh, I could have made it, bro, you know, but, but for the breaks, and he went, like, absolute helmet. But then someone replied to him, I was like, mate, Jamie Carragher has just confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> it was a Spurs fan, wasn't it? It was a Spurs fan. I don't know, like I, I didn't look, I didn't see who he was, but, yeah, it was just dead funny the way, like, it was the, the replies, because Carragher had come in and just, like, verified it. <laughs> He went, um, because the guy replies and goes, in quotes, bro, I could have made it as a pro. And he went, you bad helmet. And then someone replies and went, Jamie Carragher literally confirmed it, saying he remembers him scoring, squire. (laughs) Squire. (laughs) And it was another one. And someone went, what the fuck? I thought this fellow was deaf, (laughs) spoofing, taking the piss out of Walters. And then in pops Cara. So I'm just leaving it now. I'm not even replying to any of this. I'm leaving it just like so people are like, oh, did he play for Liverpool's youth team or not? <laughs> yeah, I'm just leaving it. But no, it, as I say, it wasn't an knee injury that ended my career. It was a fucking school teacher in St. George's Junior School. Mr. Gerard's name was. <laughs> yeah, I was 10. I was 10 and we had the trial match for the school team and I fucking played my arse off. I got picked for the school team. I was playing on the right wing, which I didn't like because I should have been up front, but... I was right wing and I didn't do my homework, like reading homework. I hadn't done it because I was so clever. I didn't have to do homework in junior school. Caught up with me later in seniors. But back then I could just cruise through without doing nothing. But I got caught out for not doing my homework. So not only was I dropped from the team, he actually handed me a pencil, told me to go out in the corridor and cross my own name off the team sheet that was pinned up in the school corridor. So, like, I've got, like, tears in my eyes, my hands shaking as I'm trying to hold a pencil. I had to cross my name off the, off the off the list. I never played in the school team because of this Mr. Gerard twat. And then when we got to the senior school, there was a teacher's strike and they didn't do any after-school activities, so there was no school team. So I never got the chance to shine and, like, you know, impress any scouts or anything like that. So, Mr. Gerard, if you're listening, if you taught in St. George's in, like, late 70s, early 80s, St. George's, McGull, if you're listening to this now, you're a twat. 
Just just wanted to get that out there. And he's the reason why you haven't played 300 games for Liverpool as well. Yeah, yeah. So fucking stick that in your fucking pipe, John Walters. You don't know people's backstories. You shouldn't be saying stuff like that about reasons why none of us played as pro. But like, when Brownie seen it, Brownie was like... <laughs> will, will, he was like, will he give me 500 quid for playing semi-pro then? <laughs> but yeah, that, that was good. Dave, that, that you score more in one week than John Walter scored in his whole career at Park Road. I know, I know. Well, that's the thing, John. It's just about opportunities, isn't it? It's like he oh, got spotted at the right hell. time. And, All right, um, we've had a laugh now. Let's just rein it in a little bit. But yeah, on. yeah. Could have been the heir apparent to Kenny, but, you know, Fuck's Mr. Sake. Gerard happened, didn't he? Bastard. <laughs> Are we done on today's game? Yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. Um, can't think of anything else. They're just there. Uh, no. Got the points, sitting pretty forget about how we played and just hopefully we, we get ourselves back into form next week because yeah. home game still, against United is the, the perfect time to, to start playing well again but we do play yeah. well at home even last week like I say that Fulham game wasn't that bad Like and people who thought it was really bad well look at the last two games it's night and day Fulham was just us not, not quite at it and come up against a team that, that played well on the day um, the last two games not great but Anfield's a totally different story we're, we're playing well at home that United game next week, absolutely. Can't the atmosphere will be it. boss as well, yeah. won't it? That'll yeah. really help. And it's, also, it'll be dark. It'll be dark. Is it? Is it the R four game? It's the R4, yeah, yeah. And like it was last that'll year. Really help the atmosphere as well. Yeah. No, I can't wait for that. I'm really. And it looks like, it. I mean, as things stand, like about twenty five minutes to go, Arsenal are losing one nil. Even they'll if get draw, two stoppage time goals here. Yeah, probably. <laughs> that's how it's going for us, yeah, I draw. We stay top because of goal difference. So yeah, yeah. So uh, with Villa, if they beat Arsenal City in three days, that's you know you have to take them a bit more seriously if if they do. Yeah, and they're like, playing good stuff. Yeah, at home like, especially they're not they're not great. At, they're a bit like us actually. They're like really good at home and not not great away. Fifteen games on the run. This will be if they hold on here at home winning. Yeah. Yeah, no, you know, you'd expect impressive. that from us or City, but for like one of the sort of lesser teams if you like to carry out that kind of run it's like you know um if i'm villa i'm thinking like there was shit at anfield as well <laughs> yeah it was early in the season wasn't yeah, it were, it was like uh but i'm thinking that if, if they've got anything about them they go big in january uh you know they won't get a better chance either challenge for the title or get top four even where so. do they need it john where would they go big what position i don't Goals. watch them that much uh, really but i don't know uh what do they need? Maybe more goals? Probably more, yeah. If Watkins maybe gets it, you know, he's scored a lot of goals for he gets injured. I don't know. It's more so depth. I think they've got a, they've depth, got a, a yeah, good team, yeah. haven't they? But you wonder like what, what kind of depth have they got. So, mm. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not worried about them finishing above us, but I do think they're, they're way better than I give them credit for. Like I, I didn't think they were that good. I remember saying like I thought West Ham would finish above them just based on how the two teams played at Anfield. West Ham looked far better than Villa. But now Villa's home form's like sensational, isn't it? So yeah, if they hold on to that today, I think we have to take them a bit more seriously. Um, but I'd rather they did hold on to it just because I'm more worried about Arsenal than, than Villa yeah. at this point. Right, mm. rightly so. But I, think, I do yeah. think Arsenal will probably end up getting like at least an equaliser just because of how the season's gone. They, they tend to find a way, like us. Yeah, they can grind it, can't they? Yeah. And the only game Arsenal lost, they were screwed, weren't they, against uh, Newcastle away? Oh, yeah, yeah. 
So like, like, not to the degree we were at no, Spurs, but, but even got so. No, but legitimate beef, haven't they? Yeah, yeah the, the, the foul on uh, the centre-back, I mm. remember it was now, but yeah. Gabriel it been was. Allowed. Gabriel, Gabriel was yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. So we got anything else or are we done? I think we're done. Are we mate. previewing yeah. next week's game or...? Uh, do that. Do that. No, Thursday. we'll preview oh, the United Thursday. game after Thursday. I'm not oh, previewing yeah, yeah. Thursday's game because well, I keep forgetting we've, <laughs> we've got to play Thursday. Yeah, it's a dead rubber, and yeah. it's all it's all change, isn't it? Yeah, so. dead rubber. No idea what what the team's going to be. Uh, the only thing about that, I, I want to see Ben Doak playing. You know, my dad, yeah. my dad always calls him Bendo. Yeah. My dad's like, Bendo should be playing. I'm like, it's not Ben Doak. It's not. And he's like, well, it's just close enough. Have we <laughs> so won the group, have we? Yeah, we've won it. Right, so you just play Bradley and all them then, wouldn't you? Doak, Bradley. Yeah, I think, uh, I think we will. Quanza. There'll be a few who need games, you know, maybe like a few senior lads, you maybe get Gravenberg playing or Jones. Whoever's not playing on Sunday, a couple of them might play. But yeah, you play as many kids as you can. So mm. Bradley, Doak, um, Quance, uh, McConnell, um, maybe Chambers, maybe um, yeah, Quive will be in goal. Don't know about Cade Gordon if if he's fit enough to play. Then yeah, give him a goal as well. Is he training now, Dave? He was. He was on the bench last week for the uh, the European game. Oh, uh, was he? Or the week before? Like did you say McConnell, last... Dave, as well? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was on the bench today. Oh. Yeah, mm. just um, just give them all the goals because doesn't really matter, does he? No, especially if we won the group, yeah. Just let oh. them enjoy it, whatever happens. Defo. Yeah, nice. so, well, we'll be back after that game anyway, and we'll be previewing the United game um, after that one. So, yeah, that's us done for tonight. So, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you soon. The best word I can say, but uh, we'll describe this was boom. <laughs> 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 Ooh, what was this? It was really good.